All right. Good morning. It is September 12, 2021, and I'm Joe Tarosian, and uh, this is Burbank Bay Virtual. And uh, I'm a couple minutes late um, because one of the last things I do, because I'm always checking my sermon, is because I do my message standing up. I don't. It's hard to preach sitting down. I mean, I move around, I get too close, I go back, and I was noticing a lot of out of focus stuff. And so I print out my my message and I pin it to my board here, and I'm looking at you, so I just have to look left and right. But you ever hit your printer, and then before it even prints, it does the whole maintenance and progress thing, and you got to wait even longer, uh, and, and then it has to do the whole shake, rattle, and roll before it spits out. And so I'm waiting for the sermon to spit out, and I'm going crazy. I'm losing it. So anyway, it's okay, because it doesn't look like anyone's here yet anyway, but that's okay. You'll be here later. Just thought I'd give you a story. Uh, people have asked what the picture is behind me. That is a picture of our CIT Academy at Granite Ridge. Um, that's the, the graduating class that we had uh, this past uh, summer. And those are all of our students. They worked CIT Academy where they got trained and then came back as CITs for our kids camp. And uh, it's a program we're pretty proud of at Granite Ridge. So that's what that is. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. Uh, I'm going to read the passage. I'm going to break down a few of the verses. And I'm going to make a... Uh, not too long of a point. Uh, good morning, Jan. Thank you for clicking on, and uh, and we'll go from there. Also, I'm not I'm not doing the Homer thing for UCLA because suddenly I'm a UCLA fan. I this is just the biggest mug that could put the most coffee in it, so that's why I like this mug. But a um, couple of things to remind you of is that we're going to be back at 5:30 on Wednesday, Facebook Live. Next week, 9 a.m. Facebook Live right here, and also tomorrow morning, Monday School. Um, I'm going to try to be on by 8.30, and uh, it's just really hard because I'm working in a system that's kind of new for me. Uh, I know Janet asked, uh, so I'm going to try to be on live on YouTube at Burbank Faith Virtual at 8.30, um, and of course, after that, we'll link that to all the various places, our website, Facebook, Twitter, all those places that we're on. But uh, tomorrow morning in, uh, in Monday school, we'll be breadcrumbing some of this message, doing some prayer updates. Um, one of the prayer updates that came in this week, or this weekend, was from a, a girl named Lori, um, and uh, she is uh, from our church in Mexicali that we ministered at for years. We saw her grow up from a little girl to a, a woman with her own family, and, and she has asked a prayer request for a young girl who's 20 years old named uh, Mariana um, Salazar, and she has, she has leukemia, and so she asked for prayer. So we'll add her, and we'll talk more about it tomorrow at Monday School. And then we're going to be breaking down kind of the fun segment, the Check It Out segment, the main ingredient song, Everybody Plays the Fool, because I think it's so apropos, uh, especially those of us in ministry, those of us living as faith um, people in this time. Darlene, good morning. Great to see you. And if anyone else has clicked on, I'm sorry I can't see you right now, but thank you so much. So join us. If you haven't signed up, our Burbank Faith channel, Burbank Faith Virtual on YouTube. Please do tell your friends to sign up. We're just trying to make a footprint there because we want to be as diverse as possible with all these electronic platforms. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. And I'm going to read it, then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to break down some of the verses. And I'm going to make one, one point that I think is real important for us to understand as we witness in this world. Okay? This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And we'll pick it up in the sixth verse, and it says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Because if you remember last week, I should backtrack here, 
Paul talked about, I didn't use wise or eloquent words. I wasn't trying to impress you. He spoke about Jesus, Jesus crucified. And the idea was, well, there's no wisdom here. It's just blah, 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 blah. But then Paul comes back in verse 6 and says, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For whom, who among men knows the thoughts of man except man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Lord, in these next few minutes, Lord, let it be your wisdom, not my wisdom, your truth, not my theology, your spirit, not my ego, Lord. Give us all soft hearts and open ears to what you have to share to each one of us today, myself included. And Lord, thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, breaking down some of these verses here. Verse 6, we do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Distinguishing between mature and immature believers, right? We all know they're out there. We all know there's someone who's walked further along. People would call me a mature believer because I'm ordained and been preaching for 30 years. But you know, there's people more mature than I, right? And uh, there's people I look to, man, I want to get to their level. Some of them are younger than me and some of them are older than me. Some of them are my peers. It, it, it's how far they are in the Lord. And so we all need to mature. And Paul makes it clear that we need to mature in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 14, 20 says, Brothers, stop thinking like children. In regards to evil, be infants. Be innocent. But in your thinking, be adults. He's saying, grow up. I've been on boards that are very mature. I've been on boards all across the spectrum that are not very mature. And so if you want to say, hey, grow up, grow up. I, I, I know boards and staffs that will worry because someone brought a coffee to church. But they never worry about whether the gospel is being preached. Oh my goodness, they're wearing jeans. Oh no, well, we got to get rid of this guy, got rid of this gal. But they never seem concerned that substitutionary atonement's been removed from the church. You know, they, 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 they get all caught up in the, in the minor instead of the major. And so we got to grow up as a church. Philippians 3.15, which is the follow-up to 3.14, which is very popular. You know, you see it on sports things and all that kind of stuff. Philippians 3.14 is the one I press on, you know, forgetting what is behind. I press on. Great scripture. Not putting it down, but we use it a lot. Well, verse 15 says... All of us, in Philippians 3.15 says, All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. And I love that, because that kind of gets into something we're talking about later. Is that, hey, maybe we don't get it now, but we're going to get it later. Paul's saying, we might not get it now, but God will make clear to us. An immature believer, an immature person, let's just go believer here. I don't want to attack everybody. An immature believer will make a lot of unforced errors. You know, they'll get caught up about coffee. They'll get caught up about inappropriate dress in church. Now, I'm not talking about revealing flesh. I'm just saying they wear jeans. I used to know somebody that, that got so caught up and, man, you got to be dressed in your suit and tie and everything. When you go to church, you better be looking your best for church. Well, okay, but do you put on your suit and tie and your best when you pray? Because 
when I pray, I go into the very presence of God. And if I'm going to go in the very presence of God, then I better look my best, right? Uh, we get so caught up in these unforced issues, things that, they're minor issues that we should never even be worrying about. Um, but an immature person will make a lot of unforced errors. And, uh, you know, it's like kids with matches. I, don't, I was never a big play with fire guy. But the first time I got a box of matches, not a, not a, not a book of matches, those cardboard things, but with the stick that you strike, there is just something fascinating about that. And you just look at it, there's something fascinating. It's a chemical reaction or something. I don't know what it is, but it draws boys in. Maybe it draws gals in too. I don't know. I don't want to be sexist here. But we play with those things, and we make a lot of unforced errors with those things. We catch things on fire with those things, and we've got to be mature enough, if we're going to play with fire, to know how to use it. The mature believer recognizes wisdom, and because of that, wisdom is better, because of that wisdom, is better able to recognize the trap doors of and in life as we gain maturity. Uh, and that could be in a secular mode, but also in the church. We, we gain wisdom over time, and we're able to discern what we should and shouldn't be doing. In verse 7, Paul writes, No, we speak of God, Mr. Picard, great to see you this morning. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden, and that God destined for our glory before time began. Awesome. See, we share, and I'm going to get more into this later on, we share in a spiritual vein, in a world where the spiritual has been de-emphasized in regards to God. It's hard for those opposing the faith to kind of get what we're talking about sometimes because they can't see it beyond how they see it. You know, they can't see it beyond this realm of touch and feel and tangible as opposed to seeing things uh, spiritually, the way God sees it, the, guy, the, guy, the way God reveals them to us. Um, it's hard for people to see that. It's kind of like speaking about a moral lawgiver when uh, someone says, I hate evil, but, you know, how do you distinguish evil without a moral lawgiver with someone that isn't working and operating from another realm? Verse 8 is a classic verse. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Good thing about Lord of glory, that's a real lofty title that Paul applies to Christ. Um, another way of making sure Christ isn't diminished you know, over time, you know, I'm thinking things like uh, the Da Vinci Code, oh, Christ got his divinity later on, and it was just ridiculous arguments that people bought into. Um, that's when you just don't study your Bible. Um, but when Paul uses that reference right there, first century, in the 50s AD or, or late 50s, wherever he wrote this letter, Paul's describing Jesus as the Lord of glory. It's one of the loftiest titles, the highest titles you could ascribe to Christ, meaning he is right there with God. Um, so, but in this passage, none of the rulers of this age understood it. Is Paul speaking about spiritual powers, or is he speaking about mortal humans who have power? And this is a debate that goes back to the second century, right? It goes back a long time. It's been the habit of the modern, postmodern church to just take what is said here on the surface and say, ah, Paul's referring to human rulers, not spiritual. But if you spent any time reading Paul's writings, you know, Paul doesn't write like a Nazarene. Paul writes like a Foursquare Assembly of God Pentecostal dude who talks about a spiritual realm in many places. Colossians, Ephesians, here in Corinthians, all over the yard, he talks about these things. And we have to acknowledge them, that they're there. Um, 
the human rulers were ignorant. This is the argument. The human rulers were ignorant because they did not know they were crucifying what they were doing. They crucified Jesus. Good argument. Doesn't make you anti-Christian if you believe it. But when you study Paul's writings, it implies the spiritual forces were ignorant of what the results would be by crucifying Jesus. Colossians 2.15 speaks of the spiritual powers being disarmed and defeated by the cross, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is pretty cool. Colossians 2.15. Give you a chance to look it up or thumbnail it for later. It reads, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made public spectacle of them, triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. And he's talking about Jesus. Now, we didn't see Jesus, you know, humiliating the, the establishment physically here on earth. Walking through this chain walk through the streets, perp walking them into the back of a squad car. We didn't see him cracking a whip on them. But what Paul is talking about is Paul, uh, Jesus humiliated and disarmed the powers and authorities. He's talking in a spiritual realm. He's talking about beings. He's talking about principalities. He's talking about rulers. He's talking about those who had power in the spiritual realm. And we, we don't want to get into that too much. Dan Guzik, a uh, pretty good theologian, wrote, Why did the rulers fail to recognize God's wisdom? Because it came in a mystery, a sacred secret that could only be known by revelation. It is the hidden wisdom that is now revealed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, which Paul preaches. And the interesting thing there goes back to some of the argument I'm going to make towards the end of this message is they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They were just thrilled that Jesus was going to die and it was going to be another victory. They got Adam to fall, who was without sin. You know, they got the whole world to turn against God. They got angels to fall. They got all these things. Hey, it works. It works. It works. And they thought Jesus was just another one, and we defeated God, and uh, they didn't get it because they don't see it with the mind of God. They don't see it through the Spirit of God. Only through Christ was it revealed then, as it is revealed now, this great plan to bring Jesus, come to earth, and die for our sins. Don't let anyone diminish that. Don't let anyone call it cosmic child abuse, as much or want to say, uh, in the evangelical world now. And even in our own Nazarene denomination, we bring in heretics who use subjects like that or, or, or statements like that, that it was cosmic child abuse for Jesus to go to the cross. It's sickening. Don't let anyone devalue what work Christ did or the plan God had in place. No one got it. No one understood it, right? And now if you talk about that being people, okay. But when you want to talk about the rulers of this age, see Ephesians 6. Okay, I'll make the argument the physical human rulers, though, were forwarding the wisdom of their spiritual rulers. Did you hear that? The rulers, the human physical rulers, you know, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, uh, Herod, all of those folks, the Romans even, they were forwarding the wisdom of their spiritual rulers because they weren't obedient to the Lord. They were antithetical they, they, they were against God. They didn't have anything in relationship with God. So how could they have known? They couldn't have figured it out. And they were just knowing there was hatred for God and all things of God. And those things created in God's image. We are the images of God, right? And uh, this is kind of where the church is at these days, right? We forward the wisdom of our earthly leaders and thus repeat the same uh, propaganda and wisdom of the spiritual rulers of this time. 
we have a tendency to lean on the wisdom of others, right? We don't lean on scripture. We have a tendency to lean on the wisdom of, of the world and our politicians. We don't lean on God. And there's a spiritual force behind all of that. And you have to acknowledge it. And Paul acknowledges it. And he's telling us, hey, grow up. Be mature. See what's happening here. This isn't make-believe and this isn't fairy tale. This is real business. Also, one of the things that's important here is to understand, this is why our young people go through so much between those middle years of high school and through college. It's that tweener age between uh, childhood and adulthood, and you're susceptible. Remember, as a child, you're kind of innocent of a lot of these things that you see. You just don't get it. You know, you don't understand what evil is sometimes until you grow up and then you come to understand what it is. But it's also before you've maybe formed that, that, that God view in your life and you're susceptible to the wisdom of this world. You're susceptible to what the world is speaking to. You're susceptible to the rulers of this age as opposed to being uh, completely ensconced in the spirit and in God. And so that's why our, 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 our tweeners between adulthood, those middle high school to college years, through college years, literally, spiritually, it's like hitting the beach at Normandy and coming under all the guns and the fire of the enemy to decide whether or not what you're going to believe, what you're going to cling to, who you're going to trust in, because you are bombarded with thought. You are bombarded with thought, and those thoughts aren't always, are always conducive to what the Lord would have for us. Verse 9, he quotes, Paul quotes Isaiah 64.4, No eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind is conceived what God has prepared for those who love him which is really cool because we can't figure out what God's going to do, right? Um, we might have an idea. 1 Corinthians 6.3 says we're going to judge angels. That, to me, sounds a little bit different than what we've conceived eternity being like. Uh, we've conceived hearts, wings, and clouds, and, and I'm guessing that's way off, you know? I, I'm thinking when we read something like 1 Corinthians 6.3 and, and what God also has in store that we don't know about, I'm thinking it works against the concept of heaven just being one long eternal praise concert, okay? We got this image that we're just going to be praising and praising. Okay, I guess that's okay. And people will say, well, Joe, what's wrong with that? I want to praise the Lord all day. Of course you want to praise the Lord all day. Who doesn't want to praise the Lord all day, right? But I think God's got bigger plans for us. I, I think as his children, he's got plans for us. And... Uh, and I think we need to um, recognize that, that we haven't figured it out. And if we think it's clouds, wings, and harps, that's just our finite. It's the futility of our thinking instead of the power of God's thinking. Verses 10 and 11, I'll read them together because I'm, I'm pushing it here. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. This is how we come to understanding by, by the spirit that we, we come to understand the deep things of God. And then verse 11, I love, For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And this, this what I love, is that I don't know what God's going to do. I just know I want to be obedient to him. I want to follow him. I want to surrender to him. And, uh, and again, th that, that's how I just wanted to kind of go through those verses here because I didn't think my message was very long. But when we go back to verse 6, and it talks about, um, you know, we, uh, we, we shared this. This is about, you know, I did use wisdom. You know, Paul's saying we do speak of a wisdom that's not, you know, decipherable to, to those of this age. Um, when we share with a non-believer, or if you've ever had to share with an atheist or, or somebody that's in science, you know, that really sticks to facts, um, 
it's like we're sharing at two different levels, right? Um, let's assume, uh, so no one's offended, that both views, believer and non-believer, are both high road intellectual, so we don't want to offend anybody. Let's give them the valid, you know, let them make their argument, and, and some of those arguments are, wow, they sound very good to the human ear. But even when we do that, if we're mature in the Lord, and we're resting in Him, and we're being led by His insight, we're still operating in two different dimensions with the people in this world, right? We do share with wisdom. There is wisdom to what we're sharing. You know, if we couched it in Socrates, uh, uh, you know, Aristotle or something like that, people would say, oh, there's such wisdom there because they don't want any part of God. But we speak with wisdom when we speak of who God is. And that's why we need to study our scriptures. But our wisdom, the wisdom of believers, is not decipherable to the rulers of this age whether in the physical or in the spiritual. It's not decipherable. You're talking spiritual, they're talking physical. Um, I got into a debate once, which without trying to, I was 15, okay, I was 15. I was in my dad's office back in like early 1980, I think it was, yeah, it was 1980. They had just flown the shuttle for the first time. You know, Crippen and Young went into this outer space, the shuttle, and. They landed and they came back and everyone was all jazzed about the first space shuttle flight. And somehow, the subject of, of God came up. Now, I'm going to church once a year in those days. Just maybe twice a year, maybe three times a year. I don't know. I'm not really out there with my faith or anything. I'm just a high school guy whose hair went from straight to curly in junior high. Just felt out of place and awkward and felt like a Munson. I felt really, ugh, you know. But in God, I, I started finding a little bit. And uh, my Uncle Chico, my, my crazy Uncle Chico, made this statement about, because he was an atheist, he said that, uh, that you know, you could ask the, the, the shuttle people, it's a really crazy argument, they went into outer space and they didn't see any heaven, there's no heaven. And I remember just being put off by the statement, I'm 15 and I probably should have kept my mouth shut, but I said, but you're speaking in a, in a physical sense, heaven, we've got to be thinking about that in a spiritual sense, you can climb as high as you want, you're not going to enter heaven because it's in a spiritual and then the secretary chimed in, and, and then I just started answering, speaking questions. It was just speaking two questions. And uh, my stepmother at that time, she was a nice lady, but boy, she got really mad at me because she said, you never talk politics and religion in the office. They said, he brought it up, and I just answered the question, you know. But they're working in a realm where I got to see it. They're all from Missouri, and uh, we're working from a realm where it's faith, and you better believe it, you know, and I believe it. Verse 6 also reminds us again that what we talked about last week is Paul didn't cater to the Corinthians' wisdom uh, and to what they wanted, but that doesn't mean the message he preached contained no wisdom. It was the wisdom of God. And so we are operating on two different levels. We often hear faith is anti-science, which I don't know. Let's be honest right now, right? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that science says in our world today that we're denying that that. that it takes a lot of faith to tell somebody that the boy is no longer a boy and the girl is no longer a girl. I'm sorry, I know that's uh, that's controversial, but let's be real. You know, we like science to a point, right? So it takes a lot of faith to to, to believe totally, 100% in what they are calling science. And when they use terms like the, the consensus of science, there's never been consensus in science. You know, it requires a lot of faith. You know, but we've all had a time in our lives, and this is the crux of it where we didn't get it, right? Where we didn't understand what God was doing, where we didn't grasp what he was saying. We, we, we didn't understand what was going on 
until we got it. For me, that moment was in March of 1989 in Mexico when I finally made Jesus Lord and not just Savior. I transferred Jesus from just being my Savior to being my Lord. And when I made him my Lord, that means I, I allowed him control of my life. You know, eight months later, I'm a pastor. But in that moment, I was struggling and I was lost. And, and I wasn't lost to faith. I just wasn't mature. And, and in that moment that I surrendered, God became alive to me in ways that I could never understand. It's like the things that I didn't get, why this, God, why this? And all of a sudden, when I surrendered to him, these pieces in my life, started coming together and I gained an understanding. For Paul, it was on the road to Damascus. Now, Paul was a Roman citizen. Paul was, a, uh, was, was an Israelite. Paul was a Pharisee, highly educated, brilliant, persecuting the church. He could rattle off the Old Testament scriptures. He could say all these things. But all that stuff about Jesus was revealed in the Old Testament. You just couldn't put it together because if they could, they wouldn't have, you know, killed the Lord of glory. They just couldn't put it together. But the second Paul's on the road to Damascus and the Spirit comes, Jesus comes, and, and he's uh, filled with him and he saves his life and, and, and in the spiritual sense, Paul all of a sudden puts all the pieces together and everything he's accumulated along the way. Those scriptures he used to regurgitate all the time as a Pharisee, now all of a sudden came new weight and new understanding to what God had been doing all along. Have we not all had occurrences and moments in our life that didn't add up until we came to God. They can be small, they can be profound, but illumination through the Spirit brings it all together. I remember there was this kid, and I don't want to say who it was, and this kid was a goofball. This kid just did the most ridiculous of things, you know, and just dangerous things, dumb things, and everything. And my mom, who was, who was a better Christian when she was a non-Christian than we were as Christians, does that make sense? Uh, my mom says, honey, don't worry about it. He just doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. Oh, he'll get it someday. He drops the bowling ball on his toe. He'll get it, but he just doesn't get it now. He just doesn't get it. And in the way she said that was, love him, be nice to him, be kind to him. You just don't get it. And don't be condescending, uh, but they just don't get it. And, and I think this is a great motivation for us as a church, for those who disagree with us. And that's the, that's, that's the ultimate of today, is that people aren't going to agree with us. They're not, they don't get it. We pray for that wisdom to come. We pray for that wisdom to return. Uh, we, 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 we pray that light goes on, the spirit comes in, and, 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 and everything comes together for them. But we love them in the in-between. We love them all the way through. We, we have patience for them. If Paul didn't care about the people he was preaching to, the second they start stoning him, he'd have stopped. The second they put him in prison, he would have stopped. The second they flogged him, he would have stopped. But Paul had a passion because the overriding passion was the gospel of Jesus Christ. The overriding passion was salvation. The overriding passage was changing uh, lives for Christ. The rulers of our age in the physical don't get it. And they might be very well being informed by the rulers of this age and the spiritual. They don't get it. But we do. And that's why there is more required of us. That is why we can't be knee-jerk and 
saying we hate. Oh, you could say I'm, I don't agree with something. I'm not coming after you on that. But we have to love these people. You know, we have to, to, to pray for these people. The people that pick up flags and throw them away on 9-11. On we have to love those people. You might or might not disagree with the president. You have to love that person. You have to pray for him. Because Jesus died for him just like he died for you. And you might not like a lot of things happening in our culture. Who does, right? But you know what? My hope rests in Christ. And because of him and that maturity that takes place in him and the wisdom that is there of who he is, I don't have to be overwhelmed by this world. I don't have to be beaten down by this world. I don't have to be too troubled by this world because I know who reigns and I know who is sovereign. That tomb is empty. And that used to be one of our things that we used to say quite a bit at Burbank. When everything, when something would go wrong, we say, is the tomb still empty? The tomb is still empty. We still have our victory. Amen? Amen. Bob Young, I think I saw you, Bob. Um, I'm going to wrap this thing up right now. Thank you so much for clicking on. If you could write three-letter comments, hit some emojis like heart or happy face or something like that, that helps us get back into the algorithm. We are not abandoning Facebook. But with the YouTube channel, where I want you to subscribe to at Burbank Faith Virtual, that just expands our platform, and that's what we're trying to do. Um, so be in prayer for the young girl, uh, Mariana Salazar from Nueva Esperanza in Mexico, and uh, she has uh, leukemia. She's 20, and they ask for prayer for her. And uh, be in prayer for all the other needs. I'll see you at Monday School tomorrow on our YouTube channel. I'm going to do my best to be on at 8.30 a.m., um, and now right now I got to get to Burbank Faith for our in-person at 505 South 6th Street. And, uh, and uh, we're going to be there doing our service there. Uh, be in prayer for Pastor Bill as he brings worship. And for all those thinking, contemplating, hoping they'll come. And uh, help me. Um, because one of the things is, is I preach about it because I know it's true. Um, I still am a child of the old age, of the age before COVID. I'm the child of the, of the 1990s that it's all about numbers, and it can't be all about numbers. It's got to be about the gospel, and help me to see through that. Make, make me mature enough to continue to see that, but let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for this morning, God. I thank you for the folks that are here. I thank you for everything that you've blessed us with, Lord. Lord, make us mature. Uh, let us use your wisdom, and then through that maturity and your wisdom, Lord, give us your heart to love those that disagree with us, Lord. We, uh, we thank you for an opportunity. We pray for the salvation of those in our lives. We pray for the growth of us that are already in you. Um, Lord, we just thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, folks, i got to run. i got to get to my, uh, well, it's not a sin protest yet, but um, I will uh, be posting this at our website pretty soon, and uh, we'll go from there. Thank you so much for clicking on. I'm sorry if I didn't acknowledge you. But uh, thank you for clicking on, and uh, let me know you're here. God bless. Take care.